You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I, I think it's fair to say that there's been pushback. It, it sort of led us to be open up even more communication with the high school uh, directors. You know, we, we, we do have some, what I would describe as non-Labor Day Fridays. We have two of them this year. And we thought, we actually thought that with, um, I think, eight of the 10 FBS conferences telecasting a little bit on Friday, that that would be okay. But we did get pushback. We've worked to mitigate it's not something that, that we're looking to do. Uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, Friday is for high school football, Saturday is for college, and Sunday's for the NFL. It's worked out that way for a long time and, and worked out really, really well, and I think. I get the, I get the TV part of it. I, I also understand as a football coach, I don't like that part of it. I also just like Saturdays for college football. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett here as we've got a special Big Ten Media Days edition. Later on, we'll be joined by Nate Klaus as we'll uh, talk some recruiting, including some Bookie Radley-Hiles rumors that Nate will address uh, after the IMG Academy uh, Media Day. But let's start first, Robin, as there were a lot of big storylines that we dealt with and addressed in Chicago with Nebraska, but Really, I think one of the more interesting things that involves Nebraska directly this season is Friday night football. They'll go to Illinois uh, the last September and uh, the last Friday in September to play the Illini. It's a national FS1 game. Um, there's only two uh, Big Ten team or two Big Ten games uh, after Labor Day that are on Fridays. Nebraska and Illinois clearly the marquee of them because it's Ohio versus Purdue as the other one. So there's been a lot of blowback. I think Nebraska fans, high school directors. Everybody out there, you heard James Franklin and Mike Riley. This Friday night football deal is going to be interesting to see how the politics of the schools and the coaches uh, get involved to try to put their foot down because some schools have already done it, but somehow Nebraska said that they were kind of forced. But you know, I think there's more that we don't know right now why Nebraska has said that they would eventually be okay even with a home game on a Friday. Yeah, it's been one of the big unknowns about why you know the majority of the Blue Bloods in this conference have been quick to shut any talk of that down uh, immediately. Um, you know, I mean, you heard James Franklin in that open. Uh, I mean, they want no part of it. Michigan wants no part of it. Ohio State wants no part of it. So why is Nebraska, you know, a team that, you know, views itself as one of the elite teams in this conference, um, you know, having a different approach about this when really there's not a whole lot to benefit? I mean, you could see it for some other schools, but for Nebraska, uh, I just don't see where the pros come anywhere close to the cons here. Uh, so clearly, like you said, there's got to be more to the story, like how Nebraska got itself in this situation to where Sean Eichhorst um, in a report put out you know fairly recently said that Nebraska is going to play three years of Friday night games including you know starting this season so um, you know uh, it's something that's going to have to be addressed you know especially when you consider Mike Riley's you know pretty strong stance against it uh, to where you know he's he's firmly against it you know doesn't like the short week of preparation uh, and when Nebraska already has a short week to deal with at the end of the year adding another one of those for the next three years just doesn't seem very logical i just think it really cheapens a brand that doesn't need to be cheap exactly um nebraska football does not need to play on friday nights um they get ninety thousand people on saturdays they've got a sellout streak that dates back to the 1960s i think if you play a friday night game at home in lincoln especially after labor day which i think if they did have one my guess is it would be the labor day friday uh, but you think about the, the the logistics of the campus the downtown uh, people work on Friday in Lincoln on downtown. Uh, school's in session on Friday. 
it's not set up to have a 90,000 person event um, on that type of notice. So it, it will be very interesting to see because um, they said next year's games will be known by about October. Yeah, um, we'll know then. And you know, Illinois wanted to have this game. They, they were very open. Um, you know, we both talked to Josh Whitman and Lovey Smith about it. Illinois AD and head coach, and they're behind this. I get that. They want the exposure. You know, Northwestern was initially behind it, but then they've backed off of it. They're not behind it. So I don't know. It, it, it's kind of one of those things that sounded good in theory, uh, but I think the Big Ten's learning that this is not the Pac-12 on the West Coast, where I think the fans out there, you know, don't really care about the high school scene as much as the Midwest or the South. And there's a reason why the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the SEC really won't play Friday night games. It's typically more of a West Coast, Mountain West, Pac-12 deal, um, even a MAC thing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Well, go go ahead, Rob. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I was just going to follow up. I mean, it makes sense for the Illinois of the conference, the Purdue's, uh, you know, the Rutgers, because uh, they don't get that main stage. You know, generally they're kind of one of those back burner uh, ESPN 2 11 a.m. kickoff games. And so, I mean, to, to get an opportunity to be the lone uh, team in your conference playing on a national stage on Friday night, yeah, that's that's great opportunity to brand your program. But Nebraska doesn't need that. Nebraska has a brand, and it's pretty darn strong. And so to, to mess with stuff, you know, with schedules, uh, potentially, you know, talking about, um, you know, logistics of a home game, uh, it just does not make any sense for me. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, uh, as we discuss what we learned this week out of Big Ten Media Days for Nebraska. You know, a couple things that, that jumped out. Um, let's start with um, injury stuff. You know, Chris Jones. Uh, as we learn this, um, no decision will really be made on his red shirt until Mike Riley has a chance to talk to him more. Jojo Doman, they have discussed that, and you know it sounds like he's going to head down that path. So um, both players have the ability to red shirt. We won't know for sure what they're going to do because they could technically be available in October or November, and, and that will be interesting to follow. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Chris Jones wants to play this. We've talked about this before, but um, you know, he he seems pretty intent on getting back this season. Um, I think he's got a timeline set in his mind where he was going to play this year and jump to the NFL. Um, and so that's hard to kind of change your approach uh, when you have those goals set in front of you. And but. Um, you know, it kind of depends on how quickly he's able to come back. You know, we've seen what happens when guys rush back too soon. And when you put bad film of yourself out there, that can devastate your NFL stock. And so, I mean, that's something he needs to take into consideration uh, where Nebraska is in that season. I mean, if they're rolling, um, I mean, do you do you risk putting a guy, you know, coming off, uh, you know, a short time, a recovery time frame back into the starting lineup, even if he is a player like Chris Jones? But and if they're bad, I mean, is it worth Chris Jones, you know, coming back and, you know, putting, you know, couple games on tape when he could redshirt and put a full season together so there's a lot of layers involved in this decision and I think ultimately it's going to come down to how quickly Chris Jones can get back to 100 percent another storyline kind of staying on that topic of secondary is Joshua Kalu and his future initially uh, on Monday night when we were in Chicago on the Husker Sports Network Mike Riley told Greg Sharp um, that Kalu would stay at safety, but now, you know, they're not necessarily saying that. I think the scenario that could end up playing out is in a base defense, Kalu is the safety, but when you go nickel, maybe Kalu comes down as the nickel. Eric Lee would be the corner in that situation. 
and then you could bring in a Kyron Williams or an Antonio Reed at safety. I think there are a lot of combinations that they're going to try here, uh, but that one almost seems the most likely to me right now. Yeah, and on top of that, Mike Riley threw out another scenario where they move Lamar Jackson um, from the field corner, uh, or I guess to the field corner from the boundary spot um, to where, you know, he's having to play more in space, you know, and take over that kind of lead corner role where Chris Jones was playing. And then you elevate Eric Lee, who plays the boundary, and that, you know, one of the issues with him is just, you know, over the past two years was his ability to cover in space. And so when you kind of shorten the field, that becomes a little bit less of a problem. So that's also a scenario they could look at, too, if uh, they do want to keep Joshua Kalu at safety. And one thing that Mike Riley said, um, he used the word love twice when referring to what they think about Joshua Kalu at safety. So clearly there is a strong desire to keep him there. Uh, and they're going to try and look at every possible scenario um, for alternate ways to address filling Chris Jones's shoes other than taking Joshua Kalu out of the safety spot. Sean Callahan and Robin Washington, as we move through the storylines that came out here for Nebraska at Big Ten Media Days, uh, the status of Stanley Morgan Jr. and Antonio Reed, another topic of discussion for Mike Riley as both players had a marijuana incident that took place in the month of May in Florida. Um, Mike Riley at this point um, would not address if either player would be suspended, but he, he kind of left the door open that maybe they're doing enough right now behind the scenes, um, but who knows, that they couldn't, I mean, the, that, that they've taken care of their punishment, mm-hmm. but um, you still find it hard to believe that they won't have to miss one game because I feel like if you let these guys not miss one game, then you're kind of opening up the door for for this down the road. Yeah, it's a it's a sticky situation. I mean, just because a year ago you had the exact same precedent with Brandon Riley and his DUI arrest. So, um, you know, I Mike Riley was very um, proud of the, the quote-unquote gigantic steps both players have made this offseason, um, meaning that both those guys appear to at least have learned their lesson from a, a very poor decision. Um, and so hopefully, you know, they've uh, you know, are, are on back on the right track and um, we'll, we'll see what kind of internal discipline has gone on, you know, whether it be, you know, extra workouts this summer, um, if they have to eventually miss some playing time, you know, that's kind of to be determined. But um, I, I agree, you know, the fact that they went through this a year ago or at least a similar situation, you kind of got to stick to your guns a little bit, regardless of, you know, what uh, extenuating circumstances there may be. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we discuss Big Ten Media Days. Let's talk Tanner Lee as he came into this event as an unknown commodity around this conference. Uh, We've seen him. We've been around him now for a year. And it's not easy to walk into that deal. A thousand plus media members, lots of questions. And I felt like Tanner Lee handled himself in that environment, in that situation, as well as any player. I mean, I'd put him up there with a Rex Burkhead type of guy, just with the class and the professionalism he carried himself. He even had the little the little pin on his jacket yeah. that you see like the administrators wear with the N. Um, I mean, he just did an excellent job representing Nebraska. And, and the moment, at least at this point, does not seem too big for him yet. He looked like a senior who was a three-year starter, um, you know, just with his poise at the podium. And, you know, it, this is a guy that, um, you know, he, you got the best quote maybe of the media day when you asked him compare this to uh, his previous media media days and uh, uh, I'm probably going to butcher this but he said it was kind of there was a lot more lobster and a lot less reporters well the context of that is the, <laughs> the AAC media days would take place in Newport Rhode Island, Rhode Island which yep, by the way go. is one of my favorite cities in the country I've had the l- luxury of going there about four or five times um, but it's their their media days would have this big clam bake um, <laughs> as part of like the highlight you know Big Ten has the lunch they have the clam bake 
And so all the media, everybody gets invited and it's like all you can eat lobster and everything you could want. So he joked, um, the difference between this media days and AAC is there a little bit, there was more lobster there and more media here. Um, as you know, he, it was kind of his best one liner he gave throughout the day. Yeah. And so that comfort in the spotlight, I think shows a lot about what Tanner Lee is all about. Um, just mentally, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into being the starting quarterback at Nebraska. And I think that he is very well prepared for um, the fishbowl that that comes with that position and that role. I mean, you are the face of the program. Mike Riley intentionally brought him here to put him on the center stage, and uh, he did so knowing full well Tanner Lee was going to be able to handle it perfectly, and he did. Uh, And so, I mean, it was more just a continuation of what we saw this spring. Um, You know, he only did a handful of interviews, but in those interviews, you know, with 35 reporters and cameras around him, uh, he was nothing but a pro. And so I expect that to fully continue, and he appears to have that makeup uh, to be ready for all the ups and downs that come with the, the position he's in. As we wrap it up here, Robin, briefly, I want to get your thoughts on P.J. Fleck. That was our first kind of real opportunity to see um, the new excited P.J. Fleck in full, full, full force at Media Days, and, and he left it all on the table. By the end of his upfront thing at the, at the main podium, I felt ready to go buy a used minivan. Uh, I felt that uh, he was talking a mile a minute. And in fact, I think I saw on Twitter somewhere where um, when you take out the time for people asking questions, he was averaging like a word every three seconds. So, I mean, that, that guy is a definitely a fast talker. Um, I think he was put the, as the first coach to go uh, to start things off at, you know, 8 a.m. Yeah, to, uh, for a reason, because he definitely woke the crowd up. Um I don't know. Personally, that, that shtick doesn't go over very well with me. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to wear some people out if he's able to, or if he keeps it up at that pace. But uh, Minnesota needed something, and they're getting it. He's uh, going to have his own reality show yeah, too. Um, and he said it wasn't his idea; it was the Big Ten and ESPNs. But you got to think other coaches in the league. You know, the Big Ten's like an old country club of yeah. you know Mark D'Antonio's and uh, Paul Christ and guys like that that are just you know they're they're the classy guys that you know, carry themselves like that. And, and here you're going to have kind of. He, he wore maroon slacks with like a golden maroon plaited jacket. I mean, it was just like so over the And top. let's not even get into what his wife wore. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he admitted this though, uh, that, you know, as a head coach of a football program, you are kind of the, the face of your brand. And so he is fully embracing that and trying to put Minnesota in the spotlight as much as possible. But when it comes down to it, uh, this is a very tough conference to win. Uh, and, you know, it takes more than just being a smooth, fast talker to um, win football games on Saturdays. All right, well, we have a full show here on tap. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to hear from the Big Ten Network's Howard Griffin, as I had a chance uh, to catch up with him. And we also caught up with Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson from Fox as uh, they give their thoughts on Nebraska and, and many other topics. And then we'll close things out here in the show with Nate Klaus as we'll talk some recruiting. That's all next on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're here at the Big Ten Media Day. Sean Callahan with the BTN's Howard Griffin. Uh, first of all, Howard, we saw you in Lincoln at the Friday Night Lights <laughs> yeah. camp uh, with your son, Houston. Uh, have you ever been a part of something like that and, and, and just after being out there that night for a high school camp, seeing 8,000 fans? <laughs> yeah, a, a very unique uh, environment. I've never been a part of it, never seen it. I've obviously read about Friday Night Lights, but to actually be there and see the enthusiasm, not only the fans, but also watching these high school kids feed off 
of the fans, right? I, and I think it was just a huge uh, success, as it's been in years past for, for Nebraska. But I think it's something that's very unique to what they've been able to do. Not unique to, to, to the, you know, just Nebraska, other schools are doing it. But they're having, I think, having a lot of success in doing it. And that's what you need to do recruiting-wise. Now, your son, Houston, literally has every offer imaginable in college <laughs> football and a lot of choices. Um, but, I mean, is it safe to say Nebraska is right there in the conversation with the Florida States, the Ohio States, the Notre Dames, and all the other top programs? Yeah, you know, according to his, his list, right, you know, absolutely they're in it. And, you know, we were there. I think he's comfortable there. I think part of it also is that I'm comfortable if he was if he was at Nebraska so you know it's just a matter of continuing to go through the process and I think it'll end here pretty soon or not in a month or so maybe uh, and we can get to the point where he can just put this part of it behind him and, and move forward. We're joined by the BTN's Howard Griffin um, your son's at IMG Academy mm -hmm. what was your when he wanted to go out there to school um, you know and leave kind of your area in Chicago um, I mean did was that a, I mean, how big of a decision was that for your family and what's it done for him since he got out there? Well, it was a huge decision for the family because you know, really he had talked about this going to IMG, but for his senior year. So he would have finished his junior year at Mount Carmel and then gone, or rather senior football season in that January would have gone to IMG. So he'd have been there for a total of a year. But this ended up you know, going down for his junior season as well. So he's going to end up spending a year and a half. So we weren't prepared to let him go. And, you know, we both thought, my wife and I both thought it was a great idea. But as it got closer to becoming a reality, really, I was the one that was starting to, hold on, wait a minute, do we really want to do this? <laughs> you know, do we really want to take him out of the situation and environment that he's in? But, you know, it's worked out really well. He's grown, he's matured, you know, on and off the field. You know, really after the first month of him being there, just talking to him on the phone, we could tell a difference, you know, because you have to mature. Cause, you're essentially on your own. You have to get up. Nobody's getting you up. You're going to practice. You're competing against you know, some of the best uh, kids in America each and every day. And you're not only competing against them on the field, but you also have to compete in the classroom. So he's just matured. And I think it's, it's been a great situation for him to have ultimately gone to and, and to be a part of. One more question about recruiting before mm -hmm. I ask you a Nebraska okay. thing. But uh, Bookie Radley Hiles, one yeah. of your son's great friends, is a Nebraska commit, also at IMG. What's your take on Bookie and, and what you've seen from this kid? I'm just telling Nebraska is getting an elite competitor. Right? He's getting a guy. Listen, you can you may look at his size and, and have questions, but here's the great thing about when you have a player like that, you never focus on his size because all you do is turn the film on and you just watch him compete. So you don't get concerned about it. You can overlook the size, you know, but he's going to compete each and every day. I think he's going to raise the level of play in the room, and he's going to help that defense continue to get better. When you look at Nebraska now, as we talk Huskers here at Big Ten Media Days with Howard Griffin, I just get the sense that nobody in this league really knows what this team is going to be. They don't know Tanner right. Lee. Right. They don't know Bob Diaco. Right. They know they lost about 30 seniors. <laughs> um, I mean, is that the take you have right now? What's your read on Nebraska? Yeah, and that's – what are they going to be offensively? We've seen them with Tommy Armstrong, and I've said this all the time. I think Tommy was great for Nebraska football, and I think as we move further away from him, I think we'll get a better appreciation for what he was able to accomplish. Didn't get him the way he ultimately wanted to go, but I think what he was able to do as an athlete there, you know, I think will be more appreciated the further we move away. But now you're going to see more of that passing offense that I think Coach Riley ultimately wants to do. So you're going to see that evolution happen. So what exactly does that look like? Bob Diaco having a chance to sit down and talk with him and understand his scheme. He's going to get after people. 
and be aggressive, but what is the 3-4 defense? How does the personnel translate right now into, into his system? So I think there are a lot of questions that still have to be answered, but I think one thing everyone agrees that Coach Riley is, is a darn good football coach. So it's a matter of continuing to develop this roster, continue to develop the offense and defense and special teams, and really see where things lie. How much have you seen on Tanner Lee other than just the spring game? Just really the spring game. Not, not a lot. So I think when you talk about a starting quarterback, it's going to be about not turning the football over, keeping your team in, in a good situation, right, and trying to score points and not turn it over. And I think those are some of the things you have to be able to, to address. And you're going to continue to see that as he continues to compete and he goes out there on Saturdays and plays. But that's going to be – that's the recipe for success because you got to believe that with the defense playing a different scheme, more attacking scheme, it'll be a lot easier, you would think, for them to develop, for that defense to, to be able to start to have a calling card and take the ball away because there won't be much out there, data out there, as far as, you know, what, these, what this scheme is going to look like with this personnel. Are we going to see the tailgate show in Lincoln this year? or um, I know you guys will probably be here for training camp, too. Oh, definitely. We'll be there for that. Uh, bus tour starts, I think, next week. So we hop yeah. on the bus. So I, I think um, the West, we get the West the second, probably that second wave when we hit the West and get out there. But, yeah, I'm sure the tailgate show will be there. Well, Howard, it's good seeing you and uh, look forward to maybe seeing you back in Lincoln here this summer. Absolutely. Well, thanks again to the Big Ten Network's Howard Griffin. Our special show here from Big Ten Media Days will continue as I had a chance to catch up with Fox analyst Joel Klatt, and he tipped his hand a little bit on the possibility of that A-team crew of Klatt and Gus Johnson coming to Lincoln for a game this season. That's next here on the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. All right, we're at the uh, Big Ten Media Days. Sean Callahan here with Joel Klatt, former Colorado quarterback. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you think about those days. I remember that 05 game. We won't talk too much oh, about. Oh, man. Uh, Why don't let's talk about 04? Let's just go yeah. back to 04. <laughs> we'll restore the order game when Nebraska pulled out those T-shirts. But I'll never forget the student section. Uh, as, as we're joined by Fox Sports' Joel Klatt, former Colorado quarterback. I never forgot that student section cleared out of that game on Black yeah. Friday. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> – Unfortunately, I remember that that as well. Uh, that was the last game I ever played in Folsom Field. It was um, that was one of the most disappointing games of, of my life. Any any sport, no question. But um, certainly a good win for them. Um, they they played really well that day. We kind of lost lost the gas of the season. You know, we had played well before that and, and just couldn't quite finish it out. Um, but for me, it's it's interesting because as as devastating as that day was, I think the game that I remember as my most fond was 04 in Lincoln and winning in you know winning in Lincoln. So I'm sure those guys felt the same way winning in Boulder. Um, so you know that's that's the ebbs and flows of being an athlete. Yeah, that Colorado Nebraska rivalry it, it had just some luster to it. It was a special yeah. game between the two states, bordering states. I can't wait for it to come back. When is it? A couple uh, of years. So Nebraska has Oregon coming up um, in Eugene, and then they do two years with Colorado. Oh, and I love they it. They take two years off and they play them two more. So. I love it. That's I can't wait for that game to come back. Hopefully, I get to call that game. Although I don't know if either fan base would be all that <laughs> happy with it. Um, I can't wait to get back. Yeah, listen, we're probably, Gus and I will probably be in Lincoln for at least a game, maybe two, this fall. Um, I haven't been back since 04. I think it's one of the great college football venues in the country. So 
uh, I can't wait to get back. Nebraska was always my favorite place to play on the road. Um, great, great fans, very courteous, the, the most knowledgeable fan base that I ever played in front of um, without question. So I can't wait to get back up there. We're joined by Fox Sports' Joel Klatt, former Colorado quarterback, as we talk here at Big Ten Media Days. You look at Nebraska, mm -hmm. what do you know about the Cornhuskers? Tanner Lee, uh, new transfer quarterback yeah. that a lot of people locally are high on, but nationally not, not too much, uh, not, not too people know much about Tanner Lee. I was talking with Coach yesterday, actually, and, and it's interesting. We had a, a brief but, but very good discussion, and I could see in his eye, like he was excited about this team, and it's interesting as you do this year in and year out, you get the sense from coaches during media days, whether they, they think their team has something or not. Um, and generally, it's not in what they say, but just in, in their facial expression when you ask them, how's your club? You know, and just kind of off the record conversations. And it's interesting because Mike, he said, he said to me, well, for a team that doesn't have a returning starting quarterback and is going to change their defensive front, I'm pretty excited. And I could see it in his eyes. And, and it's interesting because they are going to change some things, but I think those changes are going to help in the immediate future. Um, I'm really excited to see Tanner play. I'm really excited to see the new defense play uh, as, as far as the schematics of that defense. So um, from that standpoint, I, I personally think Nebraska is going to be a better team than people out there believe. Um, a lot of times in college football, you lose your starting quarterback, you lose some returning starters, and everyone's like, well, it's doom and gloom. But Mike's a good developmental coach. His staff's a great developmental staff. Um, and I'm excited to see him play. When you just look at that Big Ten West, how hard is it to handicap? I think Wisconsin, everybody agrees, is yeah. the favorite. But it yeah. seems like two to five, two to four, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's really wide open. Which makes it really difficult. Um, when it's that way and when it's so balanced and and you're exactly right I would I would agree with you Wisconsin looks to be the class of the division going into the season but I think Iowa and Nebraska they would be my two and three right there I think that they're in as good a position as any to be right there and, and we'll see what happens what does this mean for Fox to add the Big Ten I mean this oh yeah it's 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 enormous it's enormous this is now, I know this ebbs and flows, and, and this always gets run, whatever you say, but listen, the data bears this out. All the other conferences and the coaches can say whatever they want to say. The data bears out right now that the Big Ten is the premier college football conference in the country. Okay, Four teams in the top ten last year are going to have another four teams that I think are national championship caliber teams, playoff caliber teams. No other conference has more than two teams that can boast that type of expectation in a realistic form. Um, and so for Fox to add that with the alumni bases, with the brands, along with the Big 12 and the Pac-12, um, I think for the first time uh, we're a, a major part of college football and not just a piece of college football, but a major piece of it. And you'll be doing the game of the week, I assume. Are you Ohio State, Michigan? Yeah. Do you know that assignment already? Yeah, I mean, we'll... Yeah, I mean, you could probably pin Gus and I into that. You Michigan, know, Ohio Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, sixteen million viewers watch that game. They last trust week. me. I be... I think about it almost daily, and I'm very excited. But there's a lot of other matchups that I'm very excited for as well. I'm I'm almost certain that I'll be in Lincoln for the Wisconsin game. We'll see if that happens uh, or not. None of that's official, of course. But um, there's a lot of matchups that I'm very very excited for. But clearly, I'm I'm excited to be a part of what I believe is, you know, the the best rivalry in college football historically. So you'll always be on Fox on Saturdays, or could you be an FS1 game on Saturdays as well? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think that we can float back and forth, so we might be on FS1 sometimes, depending on which game is uh, from which conferences in which window, but we'll see.
Well, Joel, it was great to see yeah, you here at Big Ten Media Days. And uh, look forward to seeing you in Lincoln this fall. You got it. Have a good one. We'll continue our special show here from the Big Ten Media Days next as Fox's Gus Johnson will join us here on the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're here at the Big Ten Media Day. Sean Callahan on the Husker Online Show, joined by Fox Sports' Gus Johnson. Gus, this has got to be exciting for you. Uh, you guys add the Big Ten. You're going to get a bunch of new venues, a bunch of new opportunities uh, as you come into the Big Ten. Yeah, I'm really excited about it, and we're really excited about it at Fox to have an opportunity to be part of the greatest conference in America, and the greatest conference in American history. So, uh, fortunately, you know, I grew up in the Big Ten being – uh, from Detroit and watching Michigan and Michigan State all those years and to have an opportunity to be one of the voices of the, of the conference is, is very special to me and especially at this time when you have so many good teams uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Nebraska I'm a huge Mike Riley fan uh, I covered him when he was the head coach of the San Diego Chargers and I know I, I feel like I have a great sense of who he is as a human being. He's kind, he's considerate, and he's brilliant. And he's going to win there. So I'm looking forward to the entire experience uh, this season. When you call a game, your passion is what always stands out to everybody. When you kind of look at your career, is that just developed over time? Or when you started out from the get-go, were you always uh, a passionate guy behind the microphone? Yeah, I'm a passionate guy. Uh, it's just my personality. I love sports. Uh, sports changed my life. Uh, gave me something to do. Gave me somewhere to be. Gave me some discipline. Uh, I could always hide in sports and feel safe. So when I'm out there watching these kids compete and seeing the obstacles that they've overcome, it kind of tugs at my heart sometimes because I know how hard they're trying and I know how hard they work. And uh, we're all together for those three or four hours, so why not be totally engaged in what's happening in front of us? Because it's a part of history. We're joined by Fox Sports' Gus Johnson here at the Big Ten Media Day. Sean Callahan here with the Oscar Online Show. Gus, you may be in Lincoln. I was talking to Joel Klatt. He said that Wisconsin game, uh, I know it's not official because of the 12-day windows and whatnot, but he said if things come out right, uh, you guys may be doing that game uh, Nebraska-Wisconsin. We might do Nebraska-Wisconsin. We may be doing Ohio State's at Nebraska this year. Correct. We got a chance to do Ohio State-Nebraska as well, so we could be there twice. And that is going to be back-to-back -back weeks. Is, is that back-to-back? -back? You can stay at my house. If you oh, hey, man, <laughs> as long as you cook. <laughs> I definitely will stay at your house. But I'm looking forward to staying at the Court Husker, that Marriott Hotel oh, yeah, down no there. Doubt. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, that's going to be exciting because Wisconsin, Ohio State, uh, in Lincoln, that place is going to be turned upside down. And I think that this is going to be the year that Coach Riley – starts to make the turn with the program. Um, you got the right coach. I know that for sure. You've done a lot of Pac-12 in your history, so you, you followed Mike Riley. I mean, what, what do you remember about Mike Riley, what he did at Oregon State, and, um, you know, and how, how much have you really followed him the last couple years in Nebraska? Well, I go back with Mike Riley when he was the coach at the San Diego Chargers. He had Ryan Leaf as his quarterback, <laughs> Junior Seau, some, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson. So that's really when I met Coach Riley uh, prior to his uh, second stint at Oregon State. 
What I know about Coach Riley is he's a good man, kind, considerate, cerebral, and he's the perfect person to lead that program. Now, I know we live in a day of social media and people want things right now. I see it with my son, but it's only been two years. He's heading into year three. I know that he's going to get the program to where all those Cornhusker fans want the program to be. So uh, it's just a matter of time, and I think this year is going to be be a great season for, for Nebraska football. You've done, what, maybe two Nebraska games, UCLA game, Big Ten championship game? I'm trying to remember if I remember any. I did do, a, I did do the Big Ten championship game. I think Nebraska's been in there. Yeah. Wisconsin, we won't talk much about that game. Well, though. That, was, that, was, that was an interesting day, but... Uh, did I do a UCLA, Nebraska UCLA? I want to say it was in, in the Rose Bowl. Bo Pelini was the coach. Yeah, I remember that. I did Taylor do that Martinez game. Had yeah, a couple yeah. Of I, Taylor I Martinez was running calls. all around the yeah. field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did do that. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's a wonderful experience to to watch Nebraska football because I I used to love watching uh, Tommy Frazier, you know, when he was playing there. Um, Scott Frost. Yep. As well. Um, their crouch probably but there was a sweet running back years ago Mike Rogier Mike Rogier I am hip didn't play there did yeah he did yeah I am hip you're showing your age I know right I am hip. I am playing with my dad right 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 well I'll be 50 next month so I remember I remember you know what coach Osborne used to do you know running that option and always had real good fast quarterbacks and terrific running backs and they would pound you out um and, and, you know, it's a part of our, the fabric of our country, you know, Nebraska football, just like, uh, you know, anything else. So just to be a part of that and to, and to have a chance to see that and, and chronicle it. See, that's what we do. We chronicle sports. So we're, in a sense, historians. And that's exciting to me because once it's on tape, it's there forever. Well, Gus, we're excited to have you in the Big Ten. I know Nebraska fans are hoping we get you at least once this year, yeah. uh, maybe in Lincoln for right. one of those two big games in October. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tickled pink to, uh, to go down to, to, to Lincoln uh, to cover Nebraska football, to spend some time at the university with the people and, uh, and watch some great ball. And thanks again to Fox's Gus Johnson for joining us here on the Husker Online Show. When we come back, we'll close things up with some recruiting talk as we'll bring in Nate Klaus. We'll address these Bookie Radley Heil Florida rumors and much more. That's next here on the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. What happened with the Elijah Blade situation? Could he have come as an academic redshirt or whatever that new rule is? And I mean, can you kind of give your take on why? No. No, he could not. Uh, that I don't really know what was said or anything like that, but it was uh, a very similar situation, the exact situation with Watts. And final segment here with Oscar Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we're going to talk some recruiting and a uh, story that you know broke a week ago was with Elijah Blades and Deontay Watts, both players not academically qualifying, and we find out from Mike Riley this mysterious academic redshirt rule that we don't even really know much about because it's so new. Wasn't even in play, Nate, as uh, Mike Riley kind of put the final close on the book of Elijah Blades. And by the way, Mike Riley also said um, they did not want to place Blades because he really doesn't believe in that in that process. He likes 
um, the, the athlete to kind of have a say and a voice in, in kind of what their next step will be. But kind of get the impression that's going to be it now for Elijah Blades. Yeah, I don't see <laughs> Elijah Blades in Nebraska being connected in any such way going forward. So if you've got any hope that Elijah Blades will ever be in Nebraska uh, after you know his junior college career or whatever, uh, I would pretty much flush those down the drain because um, you know there seems to be some sort of disconnect here between Blades in Nebraska because, you know, they they've have both kind of put out two completely separate messages um, in regards to what happened in this whole in this whole scenario. So, um, you know, and it's it's kind of disappointing uh, because you had arguably one of your top recruits. You know, he's a top 100 overall prospect in the country, one of the top overall corners in the country. So he's a very talented player, um, you know, who wasn't able to, to make it on campus. And and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, seemed to become kind of. Uh, disenchanted with with Nebraska or with with the the way everything kind of went down, you know. I, I think that a lot of times when when you are uh, you know an academic risk, I think Nebraska's uh, academic department does a great job at kind of laying out a map for you and saying, okay, you need to follow these steps uh, and do X, Y, and Z in order to become qualified. And if you if you do what we kind of lay out here for you, uh, you should have no problem uh, becoming qualified. But uh, of course, the they can't do that for you. You you, you know, as the prospect, you kind of have to you have to put the work in and, and go through those steps. And I get the kind of impression, the kind of reading in between the lines here, that that maybe um, you know after Nebraska put that plan in place, I think maybe Blades thought that okay, well now it's kind of cruise control. I've got I've got uh, an idea of what I need to do to get in, and and for whatever reason that didn't work out, but. Uh, uh, there had to have been some talk about an academic redshirt at some point in time for a Blades to even bring that up, though, in my opinion. I, I don't know if he would just bring that up out of nowhere. Um, but, it just uh, seemed like there was a lot of miscommunication uh, in a lot of areas. And the whole situation as it went longer and longer, Nate, it, yeah, I mean, it, and it's over. Let's let's move on now yep. as Elijah Blades, we're done talking about him, as uh, <laughs> let's focus now on what's going forward. The Nebraska coaching staff was on vacation uh, for about the last two weeks as they kind of uh, took a break to get ready to go, but uh, in the meantime, they got back in the office this week. Uh, they hosted Nate, a prospect for 2019 on campus as it was their first prospect they had uh, since the coaches all got back in. Yeah, Ethan Zemla, who's a 2019 linebacker out of Highlands Ranch, Colorado, uh, Valor Christian High School, same high school that, that produced Eric Lee, uh, was on campus. And he's an interesting guy. He's 6'3", 210 pounds, um, was very productive as a sophomore for Valor Christian, which is the top, top program in the state of Colorado. Um, and, and, you know, he's a kid that Trent Bray actually, you know, he caught Trent Bray's attention this past spring and, and they've been keeping in touch ever since then. And, um, Ethan told me that, that Bray had been wanting him to, to get up to Nebraska's camps, either for Friday night lights camp or, or for one of their skills camps, um, in June, but for whatever reason, for previous, you know, they, they had some conflicts there. Uh, you know, he was, he had a couple other camps that had already kind of set in stone, so he wasn't able to make it, but it did visit unofficially uh, it was the first
first time he'd been in Nebraska, and and he was blown away. Um, he was very, very impressed with the the mixture of academics and football, which is something that he's really looking forward to. Now, Nebraska has not offered him yet, but he's definitely a guy to kind of keep an eye on going forward. He, he's dra- starting to draw a lot more attention, and and I think with a good junior year, he's going to be a guy that that starts to to pile up some offers here in the next you know two or three months. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus says. Uh, we get you ready here for the start of fall camp and, and talk some recruiting storylines that happened. And uh, another one, Nate, involved uh, Buki Radley-Hiles. It was IMG Academy's Media Day. Yes, a high school has its own media day because they have that many prospects that attend that school. Uh, we had multiple members from our staff at Rivals.com that attended the media day. And shocker, um, you know, one of the biggest storylines that came out was Buki Radley-Hiles taking a picture with a Florida hat on. And some of our own people were kind of responsible, I think, for making this a story when it probably really isn't much of a story. Well, I mean, there's definitely a little bit of smoke there because – um, you know, there's uh, Florida just went on a tear. They they landed three or four really highly touted prospects here over the last uh, last week, especially last weekend. Uh, one of which was five star quarterback Matt Corral, and Matt Corral and, and Buki are are good friends. Um, you know, and, and uh, once Corral committed, Buki kind of gave him a shout out, um, you know, for committing to Florida and, and congratulated him over Twitter. And ever since then, you've seen a lot of pro Florida Gator stuff uh, on Buki's you know, Twitter feed. And and I think that, uh, you know, maybe he's just kind of feeding into some of that attention. Um, you know, maybe just trying to stir the pot a little bit. But then since that point in time, he's he's you know had some pictures taken. You know, wearing a Florida hat. He wore the Florida hat or put the Florida hat on at the media day. Uh, you know, on Wednesday. So uh, and I know he's followed some Florida commits and and some Florida coaches on on Twitter and everything. So a lot of fans are getting really really nervous here. But um, you know, I'm I'm kind of taking the stance that I, I think it would take an awful lot to see Buki flip from Nebraska. I think there are just too many ties here. And I mean, this is a kid who'd been committed to the Huskers for almost, well, a year exactly, uh, you know, silently uh, before publicly coming out with his decision. You know, he, he committed the spring spring game of 2016 uh, before committing at this past year's spring game and, and has been instrumental in, in helping Nebraska build this class. He's been one heck of a peer recruiter. Um, and I just don't think that, that he would flip like this, um, especially kind of be flaunting it all over social media and everything, and essentially flaunting it in the face of Mike Riley and Don Williams and and even his cousin Tyjon Lindsay, who are all at Nebraska, who he all has great relationships with, is very close with. Um, I just don't see him kind of going about things that way. So I'm not overly concerned, but um, you know, the, obviously, anytime it went in recruiting, you know, nothing's ever 100% until they sign that letter of intent. So this is going to be something to, to kind of keep an eye on. Um, but again, I wouldn't be pressing the, the panic button just yet. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we discuss recruiting storylines here on the Husker Online Show. And Nate, now that the staff has kind of been back in the office for a week, 
um, as you look at the numbers, anything really change as far as your perspective goes now that there has been some attrition? We know a little bit more. People have had a chance to maybe meet and talk about things. Have you got a read on on any movement in that in that area? Well, obviously, you know, when you, when you have two guys who are not going to be um, coming in that you had originally counted on being here, I think that does kind of, you know, change your numbers a little bit. I, I get the feeling that Nebraska had kind of been recruiting defensive backs, uh, kind of planning on the possibility of Elijah Blades not making it because early on in the spring, it seemed like they were pretty set on taking four defensive back commits in this class. And, you know, here over the last couple months, it's, it's clearly grown to taking five defensive backs uh, in the class. They already have three, counting Buki and and Chase Williams and Mario Goodrich, uh, and and they're targeting at least two more. Uh, So I I don't know if if we'll see anything change in regards to secondary numbers. But, um, you know, now that Deontay Watts is not going to be coming, I think that gives Nebraska another spot there. And I don't see them trying to replace uh, Deontay Watts with another nose tackle. I think that this could potentially give them – um, the opportunity to bring in another defensive end, uh, which you know is clearly an important position in the th- in the three four under Bob Diaco, and, and clearly a position that I feel like Bob Diaco may not have a ton of guys that f- exactly fit the mold of what he's looking for there, um, or at the outside linebacker position, especially the boundary outside linebacker position, which again. They don't necessarily have a lot of guys on the roster that fit exactly what Bob Diaco, you know, would ultimately like at that spot. So uh, I think that kind of gives them a little bit more wiggle room to recruit those two positions, Um, you know, and we'll see what happens going forward. I think that this is maybe a silver lining to losing Watts and Blades is that you're able to maybe add a couple more scholarships to this 2018 class because they are recruiting at such a high level. And, and I think to have a few more options to bring in players at some different positions is very, very good thing for this class. As we wrap it up here, Nate, uh, final thoughts, any visitors scheduled right now that you know of here for the month of August? Uh, not that I know of for the month of August. Uh, there are there are always uh, a couple guys that, that visit during August, and it seems like you know there's always a, a handful of recruits that that make their college de- decisions before the season starts. So, uh, but nothing officially on the books in, in terms of uh, visit plans that that I'm aware of. Uh, maybe one guy to keep an eye on would be Cameron Brown. I know that uh, last time I did speak with him, he talked about potentially making a return trip at some point in time um you know i don't know if that's going to happen yet or not but uh you know and then uh, you know another guy to kind of keep an eye on would be potentially uh, daniel carson but again nothing official uh, is is lined up that i'm aware of at this point in time but uh certainly will be some some recruits on campus here over the next month well lots going on this weekend fan photo day is saturday night six to eight it's open to everybody no charge all the players, coaches, athletic director Sean Eichhorst will be there for photos and autographs. And after that's over, uh, they'll be showing the the Batman Lego movie um, in Memorial Stadium. Um, so a fun night for everybody in Lincoln Saturday. And then the team will open up fall camp on Sunday morning. Uh, so stay tuned as it's going to be a jam-packed weekend starting here Saturday and Sunday on HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 